Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Holly. <laughs> hey, Dave. How are ya? How you? How are you? I'm good. Yeah, I know you're good because we have friend of the show, JC Douglas, in the house. Not in the house. Hey. On the What Difference Does It Make podcast in our virtual studio. How's it going, guys? Hey. Hi. Is that short sleeves? Isn't it freezing in well, Halifax? I'm in my basement. I've actually got a uh, space heater going on underneath me here. Everyone's doing this from the basement. We've had Mike Marone, <laughs> Kyle Meredith, both made mention of you know, that they record in their basements. That's because they're on the East Coast and East Coasters have basements. We do not have basements. I don't understand that concept. That's right. You guys have uh, we got, like flat pads of... We have these garages. Garages. Yeah, right. Oh, you're in the big garage. I I'm in that. the big garage. That's right. The big, big garage. Fit in our garage. Dave's big garage. <laughs> But you know what? The last uh, couple of months, last since I got canned at uh, C100, is uh, it's been all about cleaning the downstairs, including the garage. So I haven't gotten to the garage yet. That's waiting for warmer weather. It's too cold in the garage. Uh, getting canned. <laughs> getting canned. Yeah, getting laid off. So that, how does that work in a pandemic? They they don't march. You know, it's not the HR person knocking on your door and like let us in. No, <laughs> no. no it's not. Is it a? It's, uh, <laughs> It's a phone call with the uh, HR person in the uh, because I was working at the building, so I got mm. to go down to the uh, to the boardroom and meet with the general manager, who was the only one there. Actually, the program director was there as well for the first day in months, and but he wasn't right there on the spot. And then they led me into the uh, the boardroom to speak with an HR person in Toronto, which is a uh, great so, personal way of. So that's when you knew shit was going down. You, as soon as I saw my GM sitting outside the boardroom door, kind of like almost with his head in his hands, I said, having a tough day. He goes, <laughs> yeah. And I said, am I gone? He goes, yeah. Oh, so was like, yeah. Oh, usually they, they don't like to say that before the HR person gets in. <laughs> yeah, he and I have been friends for over 25 years. So it was uh, it was a very odd and, and yeah. difficult moment. But uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's just one of the beautiful realities that uh, we've all been, so many of us have been faced with. So, yeah. You so you were with us last year. Uh, things have changed a bit since that last <laughs> time we talked. I guess your big jump now is now you're an afternoon super jock, what, uh, whatever that is, <laughs> on 89.9 The Wave. And uh, it's Halifax's home of the greatest hits of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Wow. I mean, I, I read your cool. Facebook post, so that's uh, oh. that's what I saw. Okay. And wait, when you when yeah. you tell us about this this new gig, because before, you know, when we last spoke, you were still doing mornings on C100. Yes. When you go into this explanation of of your new shift on the wave, also tell us, if I'm remembering correctly, you told me once that people from Halifax are called Halig Haligonians. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. correct? That is at ding, 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 ding. Okay. Yeah. I, where the hell did that come from? You get extra points, man. You're going to the bonus round. <laughs> and start with Super Jock, because I'm, how do you become a Super you know, Jock? Is that one of the, the Marvel heroes? I, mean, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> my superhero is being able to babble about random shit. Yeah. My superpower, rather. <laughs> my superhero. Uh, the Super Jock, uh, the original Super Jock, I believe, was Larry Lujak at uh, WLS in, Ch in Chicago. Mm. And I just stole it from him. So there you go. I completely unoriginal. Never had an original bone in my body or thought in my head. So there you go. I ripped it off from the best. That's fine. That's what we all do. 
I don't believe that to be true. I do think you've had many interesting and original thoughts, just for the record. That's why he keeps coming back to us. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's the reason. <laughs> it's, it's, yes, that's it. That's good. No, it's because he wants to show off his be... knowledge of 80s music. <laughs> yes, yes. And I love being flattered while we're doing it. That's, that's exactly it. Yep. Uh, what was the second part of the question? Haligonia. What the hell? What the hell is Haligonia? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But it's it's uh, risen uh, to uh, you know websites like Haligonia and the Haligonian dot com dot ca. Is that the paper? The local the Haligonian? Have you the uh, Daily no, Haligonian? I think there is a Haligonian or Haligonia.ca online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know where they came up. That's, it, I know it's silly. I, it otherwise would have been Halifaxy. And I guess that just didn't, when there was a boardroom meeting, uh, some old white guy sat around and said, Halifaxian is just weird. Let's go with Haligonian. That's a lot less weird. So, okay, I, I got to say, this shocks me because you are an endless source of information for everything you know well, now you, you know you got the police like dave but you know a lot about a lot of stuff and i cannot believe that off the top of your head you do not know the origin of haligonian now you're embarrassing me i'm gonna i'm gonna google.ca <laughs> where does haligonian come from wow if i had known you didn't know i wouldn't have put you on the spot like that <laughs> no that's okay I, you know, I can i can live with the fact that i don't know every random fact where does haligonian come from well it populated, so there must be an answer to it. <laughs> Eleven of Canada's weirdest demonyms and local nicknames. Haligonian. Ooh, here we go. I'm learning right along with you. This is awesome. This is awesome podcasting. The origin of the unusual term is related to the same reason we call people from Manchester Mancunian, a fashion in the 1900s for deriving demonyms from the Latin translations of English cities' names. Uh, however, in the case of Halifax's demonym, the Latin involves a misunderstood etymology. Are you with me now? Haligonian is based on the term halig-fax, meaning holy hair. So the 16th century creators of the term took halig, slapped a Latin suffix on it, and called it a day. But holy hair, which reminds me, since uh, I, I understand it's my version, my, it's my duty to uh, morph into my 80s self. Speaking of holy hair... There we go. Oh, have. there it is. That is gentlemen. quite the mullet. Isn't that great? That is a good look. You know, oh my God, look at your, look at all that hair. Yeah. So you know what and we now are look at all uh, that hair. We, okay, it was I all wanna, wasted in my youth. I want to uh, say two things. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we are big fans of the mullet on this show. That's one thing. So thank you for showing that to us. And hopefully you'll allow us to share that picture. That, that will show. be the cover for our podcast, yeah. you know. For but, sure. Okay. Secondly, so I went to your, I dug a little deeper on the Waves website and I found this, mm -hmm. your page with your Q&A. Okay. So this picture of you. No God. Look at yeah. you. You look hot. You're, you're glowing and your eyes, it's like they're super blue. I mean, your eyes well, are super yeah. blue, but yeah. you look hot. No, and we, well, he was in the garage with that? us. We saw those oh, blue I was, eyes. I was warm that afternoon. I referred to him as Michael Keaton the last time we saw him. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's people right. People have been saying that. Yeah, yeah. People oh, say, a lot of people say that. <laughs> yeah. You are it's you weird. are a very handsome man, but this, this photo is really, really lovely. So, you know, for our listeners, you can check out J.C. Douglas, Afternoons with J.C. Douglas. So that's nice. So you got you got canned, as you, you said, uh, yeah. <laughs> as you so succinctly put <laughs> it. Right. You were able to, uh, to like, Jump on a, a new ship uh, almost immediately, it seems like, yeah. in the same year, I which think, is rare. I should say that I, I'm led to believe that it was COVID-related while I was canned. I make it sound like I was like, yeah, we've had enough of you. But you I mean, uh, at least, yeah, at least they told me it was COVID-related. So, I mean, I'm, I'm going with that. But, uh, yeah, I'm on uh, 89.9 The Wave right now in uh, Halifax, which is uh, very cool. A lot of 70s and 80s music, and I feel very comfortable in that format. And how do you frame songs that you've heard millions and millions of times and bring something new to it? What, what is your uh, strategy every day? You don't talk as much about the music as you probably would if you were playing them for the first time in, in a long time. So, you know, you talk about other stuff, but, uh, but it's always, it's always a fresh look at a lyric and, uh, you know, connecting the songs to what's going on in the world right now. So, yeah, there's always some sort of weird and silly way to, to connect these things and to refer to them. Well, speaking of weird and silly, job. we're going to uh, look at 10 songs that uh, K-Rock played back in 1984. Yeah. This is a radio station in Los Angeles, the world famous K-Rock. 
Yeah. And um, we are doing songs 60 to 51. Mm-hmm. Take a sip of that. Uh, what difference does it make? Yeah, look at that. Water. Yes, sir. Is it water? Is it whiskey? What do you got in there? No, I'll never say. Okay, very good. <laughs> Wonderful. But we're going to we're gonna try to guess by the time we're done with this. Mm. Yeah, you'll know by the, uh, by the slur. Right, exactly. Yeah, it could be a great <laughs> podcast by the time we get to 51. Like, yeah. I don't know what the hell. What the... <laughs> Yeah, it's get all this crap that's happened so far. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Unfortunately, no Canadians on here, yeah. but uh, you know, what is this radio station all about? It, does it still exist? <laughs> it does okay. still, ex- it, well, still exist. Well, uh, it does exist. We, um, however, <laughs> it's an HD two station oh, right now. Okay. Well, um, KROQ itself is one hundred six point seven here in Los Angeles, but they have an HD two channel which broadcasts this, the format that we talk about. Okay, so, so yeah. they still do, and 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 does it broadcast music from the same era still? Like uh, no, music no, of the eighties, yeah. for instance. Or? No, it's an alternative station, so it's oh, it is whatever okay. alternative is it's, right so now. It's contemporary, yeah. One hundred six point seven is is content is is alternative. Yeah, but the, oh, okay, the HD two is they call it rock of the eighties. Oh, they do. Okay, well, yeah, I'm telling you. I mean, that's the thing is, it's K rock, so it makes you think. Oh. Because I worked at a rock station in the 80s yeah. called Q104 in Halifax. And, you know, we were like equal parts metal and mainstream rock and, and various stages of alternative. But this, the, the way that K-Rock in Los Angeles accepted so many different sounds into the mix is, is just beautiful. It's, a, it's amazing. I've never seen such a thing. And it worked. <laughs> yeah, it did. Well, that's why we still talk about it because we yeah. we loved it back then. It's morphed into something, you know, different. Of course, whatever alternative is right now, um, just right. it's more rock oriented. It, it hasn't. I don't know. It seems uh, kind of it's it's tightly formatted, is what we'll say. Mm. Um, it's more corporate now, but but the rock of the eighties back in the day, and there are, there are histories written about it. It's a fun, you know, it, it's fun to read the history of K rock. Yeah. Starting yeah, in the well, 70s. Yeah. One of the, yeah. I'll have to read it because I love good radio stories. Like that. <laughs> well, yeah. is there, yes, that, that it would be worth looking into. <laughs> so. I'm already not happy that K-Rock uh, already took three tenths of a song out anyway because it could have gone... <laughs> 107, but... The 0.7 song was usually a lot of fun. It's... Uh, yeah. That, yeah I that, wouldn't have wanted to be my song. Oh, if it was my song, I'd be upset. It's well, usually a novelty. Song. Yeah, it's novelty usually song. not available. Oh, cool. None of these songs have been available. I usually it was something, ex- you know, that they played yeah. exclusively on the station. Oh, or, nice, yeah. nice, nice. No, I, I love uh, it. I, I love a station with that kind of attitude. And, and the, you know, it's funny because our station in here in Halifax was a lot the same back at, in that time in ni- 1984 era. Very uh, adventurous musically and uh, attitudinally as well. So yeah, I think KRLQ must have been a lot the same. It really was, and it kind of shaped uh, what the uh, music Holly and I like. The music, that's our music style, or, you know, what what we love, which is, this list is is great, because it's just, it's all over the place. Um, I'm so excited every time, that the closer, I feel like, uh, the closer we get, I just, it just reminds me how much I love all these songs. And like all lists, I think the most interesting stuff is kind of, uh, you know, near the bottom or, you know, ling- mm-hmm. lingering around right. there. A lot of lost classics. By the way, where were you in 1984? So I was in, in 84, uh, I was still in Ontario. Actually, I was still in broadcasting school, but uh, I was mm. only like a, you know, a few months away from getting out and, and getting down to uh, Nova Scotia and, and starting uh, at Q104 in Halifax, where, yeah, they were playing stuff like this. But not all the stuff that K-Rock played, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah it's, uh, it is a lot of fun just to look at this list. And so we will start at number 60. It's Lou Reed, I Love You, Suzanne. <laughs> and mm. which... It's unlike any other Lou Reed song. It's a, uh, I don't know. It's like yeah. a Street Cat song, uh, you know, fifties rockabilly, which was big, it was yeah. huge, big in the in the early eighties, and so uh, Lou Reed yeah. jumped aboard that. Yeah, and it's funny because uh, it, it seemed to me like it's. I, I look back at the video for this song, and I remember seeing it on uh, mm-hmm. MTV or Canada's version, Much Music, back in '84, uh, right. and and seeing a lot of it actually, and. 
thinking, is this his attempt to uh, to be Springsteen's uh, Dancing in the Dark video? It's, <laughs> it's so odd that he would could even be accused of that. But it's, I, I And they both came out right, right around the same time, but it seems right. almost like a parody of that. Although I also must uh, wonder if uh, if you've seen, do you remember the video? Yeah, the, we, uh, I did watch the video to, to kind of refresh. Yeah how when Lou Reed has to ex- express how he has to illustrate the times when his, uh, when his woman is bad, mm-hmm. it's when she stands in front of the TV. Right. I thought, boy, is that ever domestic for Lou Reed? I mean, she's standing in front of the TV. He kind of pushes her out of the way when you're bad. Yeah. It, it starts off when he's in a, a phone booth. It's kind of, I think yeah. that's kind of refers back to like the velvet underground waiting for my man. He's waiting for his heroin guy to come. <laughs> and, yeah, but this a is tongue in cheek stuff going on in the video. This woman, you know, his love interest in the video is nothing like you would uh, expect uh, Lou Reed to, uh, to be attracted to, you know, she's just lively and vivacious and she wants to do fun yeah. things. And Lou has no interest in any of this stuff because he's Lou Reed. She is a ready-made video model. Yeah, exactly. Not what you'd expect for Lou. Yeah. So you say because we knew who Lou Reed had been with before. You know, we knew of his of his you know women back in the day. That's what made it so jarring. Mm. It just was so unexpected. But it was embraced, I think, because it sounded kind of fun. And I think it's almost like when you first heard Bob Dylan do uh, "Rainy Day Women" or uh, something like that, and you're thinking. Oh, it's okay for a guy like that to have a little fun sometimes. (laughs) Or when Dylan was like with the traveling Wilburys, for instance, you know? So uh, it was like, we kind of liked the fact that Lou Reed was just doing a a goofy, fun rock and roll tune. You broke my heart and you made me cry. You said I couldn't dance. And now I'm back to let you know that I can really make romance. You do what you gotta do. You do everything you can. Yeah, I think in the 80s, a lot of these uh, classic rockers started to clean up. Um, I remember Glenn Fry did like a... Uh, he, I, uh, I remember he was advertising for Bally's gym. You know, he was showing off his guns. You know, <laughs> suddenly he's wearing sleeveless shirts. I think even like, uh, yeah, like Crosby, Steals and Nash were doing yacht rock type stuff. Everyone's just kind of, you right. know, hey, we're in the 80s. It's Miami Vice and, you know, things are. Glad that we, you got it, mate. Yeah. This, this was particularly dry. I, I agree with you about these these old rockers coming to a different, you know, he's just sort of going with the times. But this might have mm. been the most jarring from, you know, Lou Reed, <laughs> seeing Lou Reed do this than, you know, any other rocker. This one. Maybe. Yeah. And seeing Lou Reed dance with this model is like, what? What? What are we looking at? <laughs> We're going to uh, move on to a new band. This was a, a band called The Alarm, and the song is 68 mm. Guns. And the first thing I noticed, of course, when you watch the video for this is, look at their hair. This is before hair metal. There was The Alarm, and they oh, yeah. they got into the moose, and they, they put up their hair as high as it can go, and they sang their earnest songs earnestly. Yeah. Uh, did you enjoy Do you like the alarm? What was, uh, what was your thoughts I, on that? I did. I was a fan of the alarm and it's so funny, like looking back at them now, it, it's so, it is so visual. You see them. I saw them then as very dangerous and, and, uh, you know, really just speak in their minds and telling it like it is. And now you look back and you go, Oh, what a bunch of cute kids. Yeah. You know, singing their protest song. You know, Phil Spector would have been proud of that wall of sound they had going there. The (laughs) horns, they get the trumpets blaring Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And it did seem like a little overblown and melodramatic even at the time, but it's so well arranged, so well produced, well performed. I mean, all the vocals are spot on. It's not ragged. Like it isn't punk for sure. But it's, uh, that's a beautiful song. If you were into that, and I certainly, I mean, I just love the, uh, the, uh, the gratuitous, what was the first line? Forever young, I cannot stay. And then he has to add the, hey, <laughs> you know, just to add a little emo to it. You know, it's just, it's beautiful stuff. And now they're trying to take my life away. Forever young, I cannot stay. Don't know my name 
know, you know my story. I've divulged it before on the, on a podcast, but I discovered the alarm. They opened for you too in 1983. Oh. I saw them at the LA sports arena on the war mm. tour. And I've been a fan ever since. Wow. Well, that would do it. Yeah. You know what? It's funny. I, I uh, discovered a new band in the summer of 84 on a big tour as well. I discovered the Icicle Works, mm-hmm. who I think were a Liverpool band, mm-hmm. um, and a great song in 84. Is it on this chart by any chance? Is uh, Whisper to a Scream? Uh, it, on I think the, that was last. Was that it might have been 83. 83. Yeah. 83. Oh, okay. Well, uh, maybe I already knew the song, but they were opening for, uh, for David Gilmore on his about face tour. And I saw that in nice. uh, Toronto at Massey hall that, that uh, summer. And it was amazing to see that because I love that song so much. Was David Gilmore from Liverpool. I'm trying to think. No, of it. no. Although he's played with a famous Liverpoolian. Um, <laughs> been in Paul McCartney's band. Yeah. Time or two. But another, uh, one those, another one of those uh, Liverpoolian. Yeah. yeah. Haligonian Liverpoolian. <laughs> But uh, David's from uh, London, I believe. Yes, I think you're right. Okay. Yeah. And so this the song was released in 1983, but it was from their their debut album. Icicle Works was from 1984. Oh, so, there you go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was new enough, and it was like it kind of blew my mind a little bit that that's who David Gilmore had opening for him. I just thought it was fantastic. Yeah, that's yeah. very cool. Yeah. Um, Front row at Massey Hall in Toronto, a small uh, well a theater, like probably a two or three or four thousand seater. Thanks uh, to Neil Young, I know exactly where what that. Like that place That's is. Right. Yeah, yeah. Neil at Massey Hall back yeah. 10 years earlier than that, but uh, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, just listening to 68 Guns, it's like you could tell that the alarm was paying attention to what U2 was doing. Uh, mm-hmm. um, it, it sounds a lot, a lot like U2. Uh, however, U2 was already, I, yeah, I know you're wearing your U2 shirt, <laughs> and uh, U2 is moving beyond what the alarm is putting out. The, I think uh, the Unforgettable Fire came out that in 84. So I mean they're they're going for a different sound. Yeah. You know, they where the alarm maybe we're kind of we're marching in place. U <laughs> two was kind yeah. of making some forward steps to uh, to yeah. actually uh, you know and it was a to make it cleaned up kind of pop punk wall of sound sort of thing. It it's was, a great sound. I do love yeah sixty yeah. again. It's infectious. There's no way around that how uh, yeah. how catchy that song is. I just wonder if if they didn't become bigger than they were simply because. Uh, because of the kind of pop punk aspect to it, if maybe their, you know, their sincerity was questioned a little bit. Two songs in this, in this 10 uh, song mix that we're digging into that have uh, horns playing uh, prominent roles. But, uh, and that was odd in 1984 in the, in the era of synthesizer to have, you know, actual real uh, instruments like that uh, playing prominent roles. But it was great. Those, those horns just like really hammered the point home. I thought. Okay, we're having some fun with J.C. Douglas, our favorite Halitosian, Haligonian. Haligonian. Our favorite Haligonian. Let's take a break and be right back. back to the What Difference Does It Make podcast and our very special guest, Haligonian J.C. Douglas. Uh, this was kind of a surprise. I do not remember K-Rock playing Jungle Love by the time, but Purple Ring was so huge that, uh, you know, yeah. with numbers too big to ignore, you, you it, uh, it's, it, it was nice. Yeah. So how infectious is this song? Yeah. I, 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 oh, really? Hold on a yeah. second. What's going on? <laughs> Yeah. Not not a fan of Jungle Love, huh? Uh, well, I, kind of that '80s synth uh, funk wasn't really my thing. I'm much more into uh, to the '70s brand. Yeah, and I just didn't think that was a particularly uh, grooving song. I mean, I, I don't know, it just just wasn't my thing. And it really surprised me that it did so well at K Rock because of of I, I I got lots of room for the funkiness, but I just didn't think there was much to. It. I mean, a lot of Prince would have. Uh, uh, and they did embrace a lot of prints, but this jungle love by the time rating this highly number 58 for the year. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> did you see purple rain in the theater? Were you, uh, I certainly did. Okay. Oh, yeah. Loved it. Loved it. Yeah. I don't know. Just wa- watching the performance from purple rain, just them when Jerome holds up the mirror and they're doing their, their strut. And I mean, it's just fun. And you know, yeah. I, I just, uh, I was all, all, all in for this. 
but not for you. Yep. Not for this. <laughs> Maybe you prefer. Not the for other this. Jungle yeah. Oh, that's right. I did put. What's your favorite? So I guess your favorite Jungle Love is by Steve Miller. Jungle Love is driving me mad. Yeah, yeah that, that's the one. Yeah. What's you know <laughs> the only song I believe Crazy. that mentions a plate of papaya as a, in a love song. <laughs> Telling. I know sorry, those are great. I would take those lyrics. Those are over, over yeah. Prince's lyrics. Those are great lyrics. See now, if if there'd been some papaya in the in the, the time song, I'd be with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is. I mean, Prince wrote the song, but it's just yeah. The, from the the time oh, the time version was uh, yeah. I want to take you to my cage, lock you up, and hide the key. You're only getting part of pig because if you're hungry, take a bite of me. Oh we oh we oh. <laughs> Some some of the lyrics. Well, okay. Frankly, I would prefer uh, Jungle Boogie uh, to Jungle Love. So, is that cool in the game? That is that is cool in the game. See, Jungle Boogie. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there is that. See, now that would have been great in the hands of the time. Morris Day would have had fun with that. He would have kicked some some serious butt. All right. I, I believe he did that with, with Jungle Love, but that's okay. We'll move on to number 57. <laughs> a little more smooth maybe for you. Uh, like some, oh, you, yeah. like, you like some smooth jazz? Um, <laughs> oh, this is yeah, Style yeah. Council, My Ever-Changing Moods. At number what, 57. At Style number 57, Council. yes. Did you like this, this move from Paul Weller to, uh, <laughs> to a jazzy side? Yeah, I really did. I mean, I peripherally got into the jam, and uh, then I really liked the 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 different kind of sound he was embracing must have been a uh swift kick in the in the nerds to a bunch of uh jam fans but this was uh quite nice this song was was good it was fun it was nice it sounded good yeah i fully liked it It is very much the sound of, of the mid '80s. Uh, I, I think you know, like Simply Red was also embracing this sound. Right, totally. Yeah, yeah. The, the blue-eyed soul kind yeah. of thing out of England, which was, I thought they did a really good job. It was funny when English uh, artists pick up an American form like blues uh, and turn it into something of their own. Uh, you know, like so many you know English bands did in the '60s. They really. Uh, you can see how much they love that American music and, and that they, and they can't, they almost can't help but make it into something new. They can't, I, I think maybe Keith Richards had talked about how, mm-hmm. you know, he can't play like, uh, like he and Mick couldn't play like uh, uh, something by or Muddy or Waters or or something Muddy, like okay. and, and make it sound like Muddy Waters. They made it sound like English boys would. Right. So uh, that's, uh, that's what they do. And that's what they did with, uh, with that kind of blue eyed soul. And, and, there's a lot of room for that in uh, in pop music. There was at the time. Would you call like Spandau Ballet? Would that have been anything like, or would that sure. have been too? I agree. It was, but yeah, no, that that is kind of like the new romantic sound. Um, mm-hmm, the new yeah. romantic sound. That's right. Yeah. I, I wonder about this, and I I could actually read. There must be Paul Weller must have commented on this, but this song was his considered his greatest success on the on the U.S. chart. Including really? all his work as the jam, which to me, I, I love this. I, I like this. I happen to like you're the best thing better than my ever changing yeah, mood. Yeah, me too. But um, but I prefer the jam to Style Council. So I wonder if he, you know, how mm. he feels about that. You know, what he what he prefers for himself. I'd be curious. It's funny because uh, I think Town Called Malice by the Jam was the biggest uh, pop success in Canada. 
oddly yeah. enough for for Paul Weller. But that's but also, like I say, it sounds that was kind of like a precursor to I, I think the, the jam broke up. I think Paul Weller was already thinking uh, about like what his next move was going to be. Right. Yeah. Get out of this. <laughs> yeah. Could yeah. be. Yeah. But I mean, uh, Canadian pop charts embraced more of that kind of punky new wave pop, uh, than, than American charts did. I mean, it's miserable listening to American top 40 charts from the early eighties. I mean, it's just one, <laughs> one ballad after another, I'll one sp- Kenny Rogers speak for yourself. Ballad after oh, another. can't get enough of that stuff. So Don't. Dave loves this stuff. This is where Dave and I, we, we veer <laughs> off a little bit. He, he loves that stuff and I'm with you, not a huge fan. Hello. You know, some, <laughs> is well, <it> sh- <laughs> some of those songs are, are good, but I mean, it's just that the whole thing is packed with those and, and they didn't make enough room for, it's so funny because the odd song came along that found its way onto the chart. You'd, so you'd have, and they would go right to the top, like tainted love mm-hmm. and don't you want me and come on Eileen, you know, whenever the uh, English, you know, pop punk, new wave song would cut through it would go boom it would be a massive uh chart hit but but there were just so few and far between all right let's keep moving number 56 rem south central rain that's Mm. why you wanted to keep moving (laughs) (laughs) well i mean as as i posted in our cheat sheet um i've asked the question you know there's the beatles versus stones which ones do you prefer Mm -hmm. um for the 80s it's uh, for me, it's U2 or R.E.M. And apparently by your shirt, you are you're voting U2. <laughs> for me, the first half of the 80s was all about um, U2 versus the police. And, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then the police kind of fizzled and died. And yeah, U2 versus R.E.M. But um, but I was such a huge fan of uh, U2's early stuff, especially the war album, that they were already miles ahead of uh, R.E.M. for me. Although that this song, South, uh, South Central Rain, or which actually it's actually called Southern Central Rain. Is that right? You know that? I yeah. did not know that. It's actually in the inner sleeve that they, they printed out one time in the inner sleeve <laughs> of the album, Southern Central Rain. Um, yeah, there you go. Uh, right. but, uh, but that's my favorite REM song. And and uh, I just love how simple the melody is, how basic it is. Uh, there's a great uh, version of them playing this on Letterman's show in 83. Mm, right. And it's just, it's just this tiny little band, you know, playing this beautifully crafted little pop song. It had, it had kind of a 60s you know, tinge to it and just this wonderful, simple melody. And, and Michael Stipe in his crazily shy days. Did you never call? Waited for your calls. Rivers of suggestion were driving me away. The trees were thin. The cities wash away. I love that early stuff. I, I found it. And even it's funny because I love the early singles, but um, Automatic for the People, still my favorite uh, REM yeah, album, like I mean, track for track. It's just wonderful songwriting. <laughs> we were just talking a few moments ago about uh, the uh, stadium shows of that era. And it just popped into my head. So, summer of 84, the biggest show I saw in a show in a, a summer where I saw a lot of great shows was uh, the Jacksons' victory tour oh, yeah. in, at Rich Stadium in Buffalo. Did you guys see the Jacksons in that? We did not. The and last you know why? Two of the brothers did together. You know why? Because it was a, they charged 30 bucks a ticket for that show. <laughs> it was crazy. That was so much money back then. I mean, that, I remember that. That was a big controversy. You know, mostly concerts were like 15 bucks and, and the Jacksons dared to charge 30 bucks. In 1984, me, and I remember that still. Of, <laughs> let, let me add a level of controversy on to that for you, uh, because in in the Toronto area, uh, when those tickets went on sale for the Buffalo show, the uh, promoters said there absolutely will not be a show in Toronto. The Jacksons <laughs> will not be coming to Toronto on this tour. If you want to see them, you have to go to Buffalo, 
which is like a 90 minute, two hour drive. And so everyone, Oh, okay. So we all got tickets to, to go see them in, uh, at rich stadium. And, uh, and then a couple of months later, they put tickets on sale for Toronto and everybody lost their shit <laughs> because everybody put out the big cash, mm-hmm. the 30 bucks for the show in Buffalo. And then they had to, they had to promise you that if you brought your ticket stub for the Buffalo show, you could get tickets for the Toronto show. It was like, really? it, was, it was crazy. Yeah. Very Wait, you still had to pay for them, but you could have access to them. I, I can't remember exactly how it worked, mm-hmm. but, uh, I'm sure somebody's got that online they because to- it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah, still had the we kept seats. Our stubs. We didn't bother. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was uh, yeah. That their final show was in at Dodger Stadium, and that's when Michael Jackson fi- uh, famously said, "This is going to be the last time I sing with the Jacksons." And mm. the Jacksons did not know that at the time. Like <laughs> he said it on stage, and that was the first time wow. he had made that wow. pronouncement. Like Tito is like, "What is going on here?" <laughs> what it was. It was an incredible show, though. Yeah, it was just amazing, and seeing Michael as a as an adult dancing like mm. with his brothers and stuff, it was like, oh my god, it was so inspirational. And uh, they kind of took a page out of ELO's book by having a giant uh, spaceship come down <laughs> and I don't know, carried Michael <laughs> off to some other planet right? or something for for a few years. But uh, yeah, incredible show. I, I'm sorry to die. That's I, okay. You know, to, I get go in a divergent direction. I here, could but. talk Michael and Jackson's anytime. Yeah. Not a problem. Andy yellow, yeah. as a matter of fact. <laughs> Andy Yellow, me too. Me too, absolutely. What about Shriekback? Can you talk Shriekback? You know what? This it's is so number fifty. Looking at number fifty-five. Chart, number and 55. my heart. Okay, go ahead. What are you What are you thinking? I had never heard of Shriekback. As far as I knew, I'd never heard of the band until this this uh, week. Yeah. So, uh, and then I read about them and it's like, oh, well, Barry Andrews came out of XTC, which mm-hmm. is, I'm a huge XTC fan. Yeah. So, uh, you, first two albums, I guess, with XTC and then uh, hooked up with uh, Robert Fripp in League of Gentlemen. Yeah. And uh, and then he teams up for to make Shriek back with uh, Dave Allen from Gang of Four. Now, I'm telling this to people who know all about Shriek back. I'd never heard of them. Uh, were were they a Los Angeles uh, phenomenon or something? Like, it was like you know, K Rock, uh, the, the PD Freddie Snakeskin liked to dig through the crates of yeah. the imports, and uh, that's where he found this. I don't know if there was a song called Nemesis that was a, a bigger hit. Maybe during Halloween, you uh, it's a good song to play. Um, mm, okay, um, it's that's that's worth looking into. Um, well, yeah. it's funny because I listening to this song, having never heard it before. I couldn't help but think it's like a fairly unremarkable four-four dance beat, you know, club song. Yeah, and it was kind of like, yeah, all right. I expected that if I was going to hear something from a band I'd never heard of before, wow, this must be some incredible thing that K Rock unearthed. I can't wait to be treated to it, and it was fairly unremarkable. that k-rock some obscure stuff i mean obscure stuff that was you know really good but obscure stuff that you wouldn't think twice about but yeah this I, and i couldn't remember dave did you remember this song no no I, last week or a couple of weeks ago we talked about uh this band blamage which is kind of the poor man's depeche mode and i think okay. uh i think Shriekback is uh it's kind of the the one of kind of falls in that category of a, a band that mm. sounds vaguely like a band that you you really like <laughs> yeah i would recommend listening to uh, nemesis by Shriekback. and also there uh there's still a band there i just saw that they yeah. have like a um they've got like a uh, um oh it's fund me yeah oh yeah it was a fun fund me thing uh fund me uh campaign uh they said it's our 40th year in business and we've been hunkering down like everybody like everybody is they're saying we're relying on you yes you noble punter to give us wherewithal as you have so generously before what is a tell me what a punter is please 
Well, it's an English thing. I understand, but you're from Canada. Yeah. You're kind of uh, attached to that. You're closer than we are. <laughs> we, yeah, closer, but but that's not one that's kind of worked into our vernacular. Uh, so punter, he, he must use it affectionately because I would have probably thought it wasn't a very affectionate term. So I don't know. I don't right. know. Punter, wanker, which one, which would you prefer to be called? <laughs> I've never I, heard. Wanker is not good. No. <laughs> So probably punter. Are you watching Ted Lasso? Did you see that? Have you watched that yet? Yes, I love it. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. It was endearing to be called a wanker. He, he accepted that. <laughs> I think it is endearing, even though is it? They, they weren't. Well, first, initially it's not, but then you, 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 you oh know, God, you so accept funny. it as your own. Um, I was the remote host on Breakfast Television in 1998, 99. And so one of those St. Patrick's Days, we were broadcasting from an Irish bar in uh, in Halifax. And... I was talking to a guy whose cousin was the uh, current president of Ireland, Mary McAleese at the time. I believe I either referred to myself or to this guy at one point in the interview, probably myself, I think, hopefully, as a wanker. And I just meant it to be like a goofball. And I was quoting the word because I knew the word from being used in Spinal Tap. <laughs> Guy's a bunch of blankets. <laughs> And I didn't realize what it actually meant. And so I heard in my IFB, the control room go, holy shit, what is he saying, basically, right? And I was like, uh-oh, I think I said something wrong. The epilogue to the story is that six years later, the guy who I was interviewing in the bar who I had no idea who he was, I'm watching back to this old piece of video with my then second wife and said, here, watch this. I call this guy a wanker. And I just put the video on. And it's her father. Oh, what? It's the guy who had since become my father-in-law. Uh, and I had no recollection, recollection of that being the guy I had interviewed. He had no recollection of it being me, the guy who had interviewed him. He thought it was another guy. He thought it was Scott Boyd, who was one of my co-hosts on Breakfast Television, who had interviewed him. So we had never made the connection to that point. It was like one of the most embarrassing things in my entire career. And it was my future father-in-law. And I found out about it by actually playing the tape for my wife one time. And we were both like, <laughs> it was yeah, crazy. Anyway, world. That's you can true. see that's how small a community. Yeah. Is. All right. What difference Again. does it make? I, it is what, what we say difference here. difference does it make? Wait a second. That's in song number 54. That's your theme song. What? The F Smiths. What difference does it make? Have we heard this song? Do we think, uh, what do we think of this? <laughs> Before I asked uh, Holly where the name of the podcast came from, I had never heard of this song. Really? Uh, and, and then she informed me, yeah. I wasn't a big you fan of the Smiths. This, this just proves that I'm not uh, <laughs> equipped to be on this particular podcast. <laughs> but uh, I had no idea. Because even if you didn't, and I know some of the music that you like and don't like, I still, this is like one of those... <laughs> You, you couldn't avoid it. It felt like to me you couldn't avoid it. You could. I avoided <laughs> you the did. Smiths. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, you really did. Religiously through much of the 80s. Yeah, we played a little bit on a specialty show that on the, on the station I was uh, on at the time. A show called Maximum Airspace. And, uh, but that was about it. And, and honestly, what I saw of him on, on our video, like our Canada's version of MTV, I just thought, oh my God, way too many one-note melodies for my liking. I'm a very melody-drawn <laughs> guy, but uh, he just never did it for me. I can't get through a Smith's tune without rolling my eyes at least once, <sighs> involuntarily. All right. This is... I've, I, I've, oh, my God. I can't take this. This is just... I, I, take him off the air. What the... And I, I, can we can him? What's use, going on? His use of the word fond in the song elicits an eye roll every time I hear it. So... I'm sorry, Dave. No. I'm sorry. I didn't realize you were a huge fan, but I, I obviously was not. For the Smiths, they, they put a lot of different um, movie stars on the cover of the singles. And on the cover of the What Difference Does It Make single was Terrence Stamp, who I'm sure you're a fan of. Do you know Terrence Stamp, the actor? Can you name? Yes. Okay. Can you go ahead? Name the, he played an arch nemesis for a superhero. I know you're a super jock, so you must know your superheroes. He was in these movies. And I know you saw them because you're. Yeah, I'm uh, going to flop this uh, uh, horribly. Sorry. All right. Who 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 did he play? If I say General Zod, doesn't ring a bell at all. If I say no. Superman, would you know that at all? Christopher Reeve, mm, Superman. Familiar. 
Yeah, yeah. no. Okay, never Canadian, mind. Canadian, uh, Canadian uh, author originally. Yeah. Okay. Superman. Uh, Superman yeah, Terrence. All right. I was trying to bring you back into the Smith world by. No, yeah, no you're just not at all. <laughs> totally okay. Lost it. Dear yeah. God, they're just. Uh, uh, Morrissey. I just. I, I've never yeah. ever found anything attractive about the man's voice or his ability to write a melody. So I just. It's just someone I was never interested in. I'm what, sorry. Johnny Marr guitar. No. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting sound. All right. Great. Okay. Mm. I stole and I lied and why because you asked me to. But now you make me feel so ashamed because I've only got two hands. But I'm still fond of you. Oh. So what difference does it make? Can we can we get a new guy for this? Is, Here, is yeah. it too late? Edit me out <laughs> yeah. Now you guys talk about. Let's start from the beginning. Ooh, number fifty-four, the Smiths. What difference does it make? <laughs> no, we we like differing opinions. Yeah, we, we do. We, we respect your opinion about this. The one thing I saw was that they didn't want to make a video for this song. I don't think this was even Morrissey's favorite song, but. Uh, he says in 1984 that he felt the video market was something that was going to die very quickly and that he wanted to herald the death of it. So, you know, <laughs> Joe he, Jackson said a lot of things the same, kind of the same as that. Yeah. yeah. I, I was keen on any artist who felt that way about videos. But <laughs> if I may say one more thing about Go this ahead. song in particular, listening to this song, I felt like when I got through the song, I thought it sounded like he was making that melody up. As he sang, as he went along, and that I would challenge him to sing that the same way a second time, which I imagine he probably did. But it doesn't. It sounds like it's just kind of sung on one note, and then we're going to go up here, and I'm going to go down here, and I'm going to go up here, and it's like, mm, yeah, mm. Okay. yeah. So I've already said my piece on it, so I'll shut up. It's an acquired taste, apparently. For yeah. oh yeah, it's after taste actually. <laughs> well, gee, I mean, Morrissey still it as a massive fanatical uh, fan base worldwide. Like, so God, I'm obviously not uh, the majority opinion here. I liked them then, although I was, you know, I was more into the, the then some of the synthy, synthier stuff. I liked them then, but I think in hindsight, I should have liked them more. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. He's uh yeah he said some it's things taste. yeah he's he said some things in the past that it makes me hard to be a fan of his so, so uh, okay he he's always been ornery and uh, we'll just leave it at that so we've talked about horns uh, this is another song with horns this is Thomas Dolby hyperactive oh yeah it's a a dance oh. song with trombone oh yeah <laughs> I mean come this on probably my favorite song of the of the batch here along with rem's uh, south central range southern central range um yeah i mean real trumpets real trombones in 1984 and we had two of those things here in this this 10 song such a creative tune complete use of the studio and um you know make use of the studio the space that's like the, when you say that i think of the cowbell make use of the studio space really explore well, exactly. the studio space but all the stuff that's in this record and i mean still one of the most enjoyable intros for a disc jockey back in 1984 when it boom boom and then the little acoustic guitar comes in and then tell me about your childhood tell me about your childhood i mean it's just so much fun to work that uh, that intro as a as a disc jockey so that's big points from the uh, from the dj side Just to keep my mouth from spouting junk ha. It must have took me for a fool Cause they chucked me out of school Cause the teacher knew I had the fun But tonight I'm on the edge That has chucked me in the fridge Because I'm burning up I'm burning up With the vision in my brain And the music in my veins And the dirty 
Uh, you know, he sent that song to Michael Jackson originally, Michael or uh, Thomas Dolby, mm-hmm. and never heard back from him. So he thought, well, eh, I'm going to do it myself. I thought he did hear back. I thought he said that, that Michael politely, you know, said it to, he it wasn't appropriate for the out for what he was recording then. Oh, is that right? That's it right. would have been fun, though. Can you imagine Michael yeah. Jackson? But I mean, Thomas Dolby was the right guy to do that song. It was perfect. I agree. By the way, there's another, speaking of, uh, we, we mentioned Cool in the Gang. That was another song with trombone. Yeah. That Joanna song, if you remember that. Uh, it was kind of like oh. a ballad with horns. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Joanna. Yeah. There's some, there is some, tr- yeah. some yeah. good trombones in there. <laughs> okay. move. <laughs> we love the trombone. More trombone. Cool. Moving on. Number 52, Sparks, Pretending to be Drunk. Um, well, what here's is- another band that I've just recently discovered, but not because of your, uh, because of the K-Rock chart. I only discovered Sparks about three, four months ago. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know what it was? It was because I was watching... McCartney, his McCartney three oh, album right. came out. Yeah, and so for some reason they were they polished up the uh, McCartney coming up. and McCartney two albums. Yeah, and and really and re-released the video of coming up as a uh, an HD thing, and and I was reading about it, and apparently you know it's all Paul McCartney. I think I think uh, Linda plays a couple of right. roles, but Paul plays about like seven or eight or nine people in this thing, and one of them is the keyboard player who's just sitting there, kind of looking stern and hitting the keyboards right and apparently that was is it ron mail yeah there was a tribute to ron mail from sparks sure was and i thought who and uh, (laughs) and that started me uh investigating them and listening to their new album a steady steady drip drip drip, drip, Mm -hmm. which is fantastic (laughs) and i had no idea about these guys history oh yeah really happy now because he could he could bestow his sparks excitement. Yeah. Do you know the director, Edgar Wright? He's doing this documentary that just was, uh, came out on that Sundance uh, on sparks. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, uh, Oh, wow. Yeah. So it, I don't know if it was bought or anything at Sundance, but eventually it will see the light of day. Oh, Uh, see this. Um, but yeah, I recommend uh, going uh, on YouTube and and looking through some sparks, old sparks, because they've been around since the seventies. And so it's, you know, this town I mean, ain't big enough for the both of us and stuff like that. It's yeah. good. Yeah, right. I, I, I saw them doing that on Top of the Pops or something. Mm-hmm. Like, they started like in 67 and went through so many different like <laughs> right. musical phases. They were like a real life Spinal Tap in a lot of ways. Yeah. But they sort of adjusted for each place they lived in. Yeah. When they were in uh, Britain, they were doing kind of like a Brit pop, like early 70s. And then they moved back to Los Angeles, did kind of more of a, a, a West Coast sound sort of thing. But but they're really like the lyrics in, in Sparks music, just so witty and, and, and melod- melodies are just playful and fun. And uh, I know nothing about them. I mean, I've just gotten to know them, but uh, everything I've heard has been amazing. And that pretending to be drunk, which is number 52 mm-hmm. on the K-Rock chart uh, from uh, 84. It's just, I like it. I like the idea. I love the lyrics. <laughs> the fact that someone would uh, would think to be, uh, to pretend they were drunk, you know, to kind of gain favor. Right. Yeah. Right. Loved it. I think yeah, I've done that. Yeah. Yes. All right. Exactly. <laughs> sure. Just had one a red solo in cup in your hand and just kind of pretending. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Over eight, I'm exaggerating. It. Yeah. We've all That's been right. there. Yeah. Like I'm doing right now. Ah, you are drunk, aren't you? Okay. Mm. Let's, mm, that is whiskey in there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. We've made it to the end. Number 51, not the end, but the end of this episode. Uh, yes. Number 51, general public, hot, you're cool. And do you remember general public? Yeah. Yeah. General public uh, had a uh, good fan, fan base in Canada. I mean, the English beat was big uh, mm-hmm. here. And uh and it was also Mick Jones' uh, post-clash. Brief period uh, of time, yeah. Project. He was, yeah. 
he played on a, a, some of the tracks on this album and then uh, gave up the ghost and kind of wasn't <laughs> really uh, happy to be called a, a member, although he was credited on this record. But uh, but they had, you know, all kinds of nice uh, influences, all kinds of good influences on this uh, the record from uh, players from, again, Dex's Midnight Runners and uh, um, specials. And uh, it all blended into a really nice uh, melange. Uh, loved General Public uh, back in the day. And uh, I don't know if this is my favorite General Public song, but uh, quite nice. Were you a dancer, by the way? Would you go to the clubs in, the, in kind in of... In 84? Uh, yeah. yeah, because I wanted to get uh, picked up by of some course. Uh, yeah. lovely gal. That's the only reason 70%, maybe more, of guys did dance in the clubs. That's what I'm going to say. And we learned how to dance in 84 from Bruce Springsteen. Oh, I was going to say Lou Reed? Because from Lou Reed. <laughs> if you learn from Lou Reed, you're in trouble. See, that's how that's how we tie this all together. That's how it all comes to Yeah. If you learn from Springsteen <laughs> from <sighs> Dancing in the Dark, you are golden. <laughs> yeah, we we like that. Speaking for the women of nineteen eighty four. And you know what? A lot of guys who learned it back then are still dancing mm. that way at every wedding reception they uh, they go to for their daughters, for their granddaughter's wedding reception. Ugh. They're still dancing yeah. like this. Still, yeah, all elbows and, yeah. Just. <laughs> oh, we do the, the, the go-go's. Oh, the go-go's. Oh, yeah, shoulders with the girls and the guys are elbows. So speaking of dancing, yes. I sent you uh, a link to, uh, because I thought of Hot You're Cool, I immediately thought of the McDLT. And, uh, and yeah. McDonald's right. kept the hot, hot and the cool, That's cool. Right. Did you watch hot, what I the, the link that I sent to you? Say you're getting tired of lettuce and tomato hamburgers in this town that don't quite make it. Yeah! You say that just once you'd like your hamburger hot and your lettuce and tomato cool and crisp all at the same time. Yeah! Well, I say you got it. I'm talking McDonald's new lettuce and tomato hamburger, the McDLT. I'm talking quarter pound of beef on the hot, hot side. And the hot stays hot. The new McDLT. Hot, hot. Crisp lettuce and tomato on the cool, cool side. And the cool. Cool. That was so, filmed during the year of George, if you remember Seinfeld and all. <laughs> oh my God! So what we what McDonald's discovered was how to make a ha- hamburger. Yeah, well, yes, yeah. like General Public, hot, you're cool. They they discovered how to keep the <laughs> the burger. The burger was hot, and the lettuce and tomato, yeah. of course, was cool. And you yeah. know, never the twain should meet, or whatever yeah, that expression. Want to microwave the lettuce, you know. So. <laughs> Those pioneers the, at McDonald's. How long did the, yeah, the McDLT <laughs> lasted like uh, a couple years and it was in the styrofoam, right? Wasn't that? Yeah, the, oh yeah. It was all That's in styrofoam right. back yeah. then, yeah. right? It was yeah. all styrofoam. Craziness. Okay. All right. So again, okay. thank you very thank much. You, thank you. And we'll see you oh, again soon. Mwah, mwah. My oh, pleasure. Mwah. It's so good to talk to you guys. And I can't wait to do it again in person. <laughs> all right. Yay. Yay. As soon as you're able. 2022. Yeah. 2022. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that concludes our long talk with J.C. Douglas. It's always fun to uh, to catch up with uh, what J.C. is doing. We went through some uh, some fun songs. He's a busy guy, and I knew we would go along with him because he's got a lot of information of the bands that he knows of, of which we turned him on to some bands that he didn't necessarily know of. He knows a lot. That's why we do this. It's fun going back in time and discovering new new favorite bands. And rediscovering them because like uh, Shriek Back, I didn't remember a lot of this stuff, but that was actually fun to hear. I enjoyed it. Very good. I did as well. First of all, thank you to Pantheon Podcast. We are part of their family. I suggest you check out a number of their podcasts. And please check us out on social media on uh, What Difference Does It Make on on Facebook. We're at What Difference Does It Make Podcast. On Instagram and Twitter, we're at uh, WDDIM Podcast. And on YouTube, where you will find outtakes and plenty of outtakes from this podcast uh, on our YouTube channel, What Difference Does It Make? Yes. And if you want to get our monthly newsletter, you can sign up on our website, WDDIMpodcast.com. Of course, thank you to our listeners. Uh, If you love what you hear, please write down a review. Write a review. Let us know what you think, because we'd love to hear from you. Did you actually say write down like with pen and paper? Yes, because we're from the 80s. Type it out and on, uh, on a typewriter, roll it up, mail it out, self-addressed stamped envelope, and send it to care of what difference does it make. We will be... Los Angeles, California. Yeah. <laughs> no, really. Thank you for listening. And uh, until next time, this is Dave. This is Holly. Check you later. Over and out. Yeah.
With classes in crisis communication, influence, and data presentation, Gonzaga University's online Master's in Communication and Leadership equips you with the tools you need to communicate clearly and encourage creativity in any industry. Concentrations in digital media, strategic communication, and global leadership allow you to customize your degree. Visit gonzaga.edu slash communication and learn why a master's degree from Gonzaga can help you take your career to the next level. That's gonzaga.edu slash communication. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.